and welcome to Molly Movie Club. I'm Anna Rutberg. And I'm Casey Miratori. And our movie this week is Tampopo, directed by Itami Juzo. Uh, Tampopo is a film that I probably would never have known about if it weren't for the fact that I happened to go with a friend to a, a long, long time ago, like long, long time ago, to a food in film screening that was basically a film series. One of the things that happens in the world is that people try to make things that you do for entertainment into things that you do for a job. And, you know, I don't blame them. I'm, I make video games. So like that's, you know, we pulled, (laughs) we pulled that off brilliantly as a, um, as an industry. But, uh, this was basically like, somehow supposedly an academic thing happening at the University of Washington. And so one of the films in the film in the food and film class uh well I guess it wasn't a I don't series, know if it was a class or whatever. Of, it was yeah. a series held by a class, by a film class. Was Tampopo. I don't know what their other ones were. I don't remember. But I went to it and I was like, all right, whatever. And Surpr- shockingly to me the film was fantastic that was the weirdest part about it right? <laughs> because you normally you you think of some okay some weird film i hadn't heard of uh and i've seen a lot of films in context like that and they're usually awful <laughs> but this one was actually great i was like holy cow so i've always recommended it uh from then on yeah tampopo is fantastic it's so unique it's so creative and it's also so wholesome. Uh, yes. it, the tone of it is just so refreshing, honestly, because it has such a an optimism kind of to it. Uh, and yeah. it even you know, it's funny. Even reminded me of like a Miyazaki movie, not just because it's Japanese, but like when I thought of like all you you bring all these like interesting, almost cartoonish looking characters. Right? Their mm-hmm. their their character designs are all so distinctive, mm-hmm. and. Um, there's just this that wholesome feeling that you get from like Miyazaki movies. It it's in this movie. Um, I agree. And I also think that it it kind of it was made in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it has a certain it has the same kind of charm to it that movies of that era have. Yes. And that we don't get anymore. Yep. A a certain lack of cynicism. In a thing, you know, even when you're watching fairly dramatic things, like we talk about E.T. frequently or that sort of thing, um, they just seem to have a more charming, like, more relatable aspect to them in some ways. I think it's that, like their ultimate view of humanity is like a positive yes. thing, even when there's darkness. Whereas yes. now I think everyone is... Everyone's in a bad place. <laughs> yeah, it seems like and so watching this movie I get those same kind of vibes that I get from a good classic 80s movie. Home Alone is another I guess example of the end of that trend, which I think was that early 90s, 90s maybe, yeah. I think. Um that whole era where, you know, movies just were were happier in a way yeah. or had a, a more positive core to them, you might say. And um at that when you watch something like Tampopo, I think what's so great about it is that it's it's a very playful movie. Yes. And it manages to keep coming up with 
new things in its game, right? Like it's it's like a constantly inventive, almost like it almost feels a little bit like vaudevillian in a way. Like it's like there's a bunch of different acts tied together, all being presented in the same show. And of course, it features something that I've mentioned on the movie club before, which was this brilliant idea that I've never seen prior and I've never seen since, even though maybe you can go dig up a film if you know film history really well where this happens. They use this technique of just picking a character who happens to walk by the camera who's you've never seen before. They will follow that person and lead to a totally different like set of yeah. characters and plot. The, the most striking example of this is like the first time it happens when yes. uh the the two, you know, the two main characters the, from the ramen shop storyline, right, are doing like an exercise routine, right? Like he's riding his bike and she's running and then this group Which is of, like Rocky. They're basically doing like a training thing from Rocky yeah. to do this which we'll talk about that whole yeah, thing yeah, in a second, the, but yeah. But uh then these yeah these businessmen walk down the stairs and the camera just suddenly kind of turns and the music changes too like yep. uh at that moment like you can see the moment that that suddenly the film is like following this different group of people and just you're following them and, and then there's this establishing shot of like the tower business tower and then we're doing that and it's like the it's the most obvious time it happens i think that that's the time that we're like look at what we're doing here like i mean i don't know like it just feels natural and they do it no, then no, no. and it, then they it, keep it's it done feels, the same way every I'm saying time it feels so natural but it's so striking is what I'm, it's like that 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 first time it happens it's it's so impressive yeah because you're like whoa i've never seen this before i think and it's it feels impressive so, every time it, and it feels so well yeah yeah but i'm just i think because that's the first time you see it okay. and and it takes you by surprise but it feels so natural and all you can think is just like wow that's really intelligent like that's really smart that's really clever it's an incredibly well constructed series of ideas uh it's i would say that so we talked a lot about like david lynch and mulholland drive and blue velvet and we were sort of like yeah blue velvet you know, was all right, but it didn't quite have the same level of imaginativity or imagine. Is that a good one? Imagination, uh, <laughs> creativity, creativity plus imagination became imaginativity. I in like my it. Head, is it I imaginativity? Like. I like the word, but I don't it's think a good, it's a word. I don't think so. I've never heard it before. Have to look that one up in the OED. But the point is, you know, why is that? Well, it's because if you look at Mulholland Drive, there's just a lot more things in there that create interesting perspective. Like there's a lot more stuff in there that was creative and interesting that catches you off guard and makes you think. And, you know, that's the point. It's the point of a movie like that. And I think that uh, this movie deserves a lot of that same credit in my mind, because if you look at what they do, uh, the way that Itami Juzo structures a scene like this, it's, it's almost like he does the, all of the work of creating a, a like impressionistic kind of movie and then does a bunch of work on top of it to make you feel like you aren't watching an impression. It's, it's one of the neatest things. It's yeah. like someone who creates a dissonant symphony and then does all this work to find just the right dissonance that sounds consonant to you. It does like, yeah. it's this weird feat that it doesn't seem like it should be possible, but it is. And just to illustrate what I mean by that, so if you take that first scene, but really almost all the scenes work this way. If you take that first scene where they do that uh, follow, 
you're looking at this mainline sort of story. Mm-hmm. And we go to follow this group of businessmen and we just continuously follow them up to their sort of like fancy, this like a French restaurant. That, that scene, by the way, that they're having a business. me up. They're having Love a business that. lunch, right? Yeah. And we see that all of the, you know, basically Japanese society rigidly ordered corporate structure is just a very specific thing. To be tr- yes, but to me that felt really relatable on not just a Japanese cultural thing, but any culture, any business culture, that that idea of of seniority we all, and well, and yeah. and we all want to be the same, right? Like we're all the same. We're all afraid to stand out and be more unique, right? We all wear suits. We all are, we're all trying to just be the same. And right? they don't really know anything about French cooking, right? So they are all just like, I'll have this thing, and the rest of them are just kind of like. Well, if that's what that person's having, that's what I'm going to have. And nobody really even – I don't think most of them can really read the menu even probably mm-hmm. would be my guess. Well, and then – yeah, and and on top of that, know, know what any of the stuff is, right? Yeah. So then you get down to the lowest rung guy who's already like just – he's just like a crap attaché. And like he was the guy who had to hold the briefcases and dropped them, right? But he obviously, like, just maybe he studied abroad or maybe he just happened to be really into French cuisine and read up about it a bunch or whatever. He knows everything, can read the menu, and knows about, like, various provincial French techniques and restaurants that were there and has this discussion with the waiter that, like, totally embarrasses everyone else at the table. And it's this great, like, little parable about how food is sometimes inverted in a power structure the the people you know the natural way to think about how this would work is that the most powerful most respected wealthiest people are the ones who would acclimate and take to a fancy restaurant but we all know in reality that's not actually true of people Sometimes, like, the poorest person may be the most passionate about food, and yet they don't have access to a restaurant like that. Well, this is but- something that they, they hit on multiple times throughout the film, because there's that entire scene where they go to the homeless men. Yes. And they are all, in their own ways, like, experts in food. Yes. Um, and so it's it's definitely, it's that thing of, like, food is this universal thing that we all have a connection to, and your sort of status is not relevant, right? So we go right from that scene to following the waiter out of the the dining room and into the, the private dining room for business affairs and out into the main dining room where we find that there is an etiquette class being taught by someone who clearly just read, like, books on how people eat in Europe. <laughs> yes. That are totally wrong. But this is absolutely true. If you, if you read about eating in Japan, for example, do the opposite thing. I've seen so many things on eating in Japan. Go to Japan, totally false, <laughs> right? Like, those are the ideals of that society that they broadcast forward to you. But that is not what the working person who goes in to eat somewhere will necessarily do. There are rude people in Japan, just like there are rude people in America, and it becomes normalized. And then that's just how we eat, right? Um, and so you see this great scene of her saying all these things about how, like, foreigners have to eat, and it's incredibly rude to do otherwise. But then there's this guy who's just, like, slurping up his pasta, 
who's obviously foreign, and everyone's looking at, at them and going like, oh, oh, okay, so we can do it yeah, that way. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, there's a foreigner, and that's fine. Um, the- and then eventually even the... <laughs> Well, we're just basically summarizing the movie, but yes. <laughs> but I want to point something very yeah. specific out about all this. So that's why I'm just like giving it. Then finally, they walk a tray up to a private room because I guess there's like sort of like a, a hotel. hotel in, it, it was a hotel restaurant. And the gangster who we meet at the beginning of this film is there with his lover. And they like do a bunch of food sex acts. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is all contiguous. It just feels like stuff is happening in the world of the movie that you're just following. It's completely natural. It really doesn't feel out of place or weird or anything. And yet somehow all of that is basically like a treatise on food etiquette and society. Right. It's like. It's it's almost like someone writing a term paper on like talking about how different a- elements of society use food. You know, is it is it a sex language? Is it an, is it an etiquette language? Is it a status language? How does it d- does that does it really work that way or is it a lie? Right? Um, and they get it all in like yeah seven minutes or something. Yeah. No. There's there's. I feel like this movie is so great because it's like the mainline story of the of the ramen shop is amazing and you love it. And then all of the little like vignette parable things around it are amazing and you love them. Um, I think of the one that the I mean, there's so many of those that are so good. The one with the mother where she's dying. Yes. And uh, she, you know, she's basically actively dying. But the husband says to her, like, make us dinner, make yeah. us a meal. And she just gets up, does it. And then dies. And then it's like the one thing that is so autopilot for her that she can do it as a zombie, basically. Well, and then, and not only that, but there's this, it's actually, it almost brings you to tears too because they're like, this is the last meal that your mother cooked and it's, it's still warm, right? Like, eat it, eat it up. And it's just like, that's like the, the warmth of love sort of in food, that sort of, um, well, we end the shot with someone breastfeeding. We end the film, yes. rather. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right? Um, um, and, like, so all the different expressions of love and or, or expressions of a relationship, you know, that you can have with and food. we see the lady who, like, just sneaks around the grocery store <laughs> trying to push the food. That's, like, this textural element of just, like, wanting to touch it, right? Like, because people have that sort of, they want to, like, the feel yeah. of the food, right? And it's just they kept coming up with ways of the, of the like the little kid with the sign around his neck, like "Don't give me sweets." Yeah, like that loss of innocence where like the guy gives him an ice cream cone because he just wants him to have it. Uh, it's just it's really just remarkable. They get every sort of angle of how food affects our lives, uh, from being poor to being rich, from being good to bad in what happens with food, uh, to, to from, you know, the sexual to the mundane. It, it's all in there. Yeah. And I just felt like when I saw this film, I didn't really even quite take all that in the first time because it's just like, what am I watching? You know, it was like so wild that like yeah. all this stuff was in a no, movie. No, I do think, you know, because this was my second time seeing it and it, it felt a lot more... Um, like smooth, like it had a smoother yeah. flow to it on the second viewing. I don't remember. I remember it feeling a bit more jarring. Because the there's first so much viewing. in it. I know, but the yeah. second time it felt perfect. It felt yeah. so like seamless and 
uh, effortless sort of in its in the way it flows between these different because they're they're it's so scattershot like there's all these different ideas right yeah it's circulating around this like one main through line story um, but like that first of all that idea to even have that is so creative but then to be able to like pull it off and it, to have all of it be useful like it's it, none of it you know I think it would be easier to do a movie like this where you know they're just that was just sort of happening and i kind of have seen some experimental films like that i i want to say like you know something like time code by steven soderbergh or i don't know like yeah uh um other movies i i they're not necessarily coming to mind but i've i've definitely seen i've seen a lot of films right everyone has at this point and a lot of times it's just like yeah okay so you did this thing and it was just kind of dumb like you know, I'm not necessarily bagging on you for trying it because, you know, that's how we find new things. But just didn't add up to much. This is a movie where it's the first time I've ever seen that and it added up to so much. And that's just wild. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's really impressive. And I feel like the so the mainline story of the, the yeah, we should talk about that the ramen story, the Tampopo story is so good, too. There's such an affection for Westerns in it. Yes. That. It makes my it makes me so happy. Yeah. It's like you can feel the love that the director has for westerns. It's basically just imagining that you had cowboys uh who were going to like rescue a damsel in distress, basically. An yeah, old it, school it even western. does the it does like the seven uh seven samurai, the, the seven, magnificent yes. seven sort of like Yes. Like we get the this team together of separate guys, and at the end they all ride off into the sunset, go off their own way, and it's just it's so good. Yes, and it's wild that, that I don't know why he decided to do this. Right, I think but, it's just you can. There's a love for it. Like yes. I think he just he just liked it. Right, like he liked westerns. He liked that aspect of them, and that feel is so good. It's so unique. It fits perfectly somehow with this storyline it's so weird that it were like but you know yeah every single thing from that uh, every single thing in the story that happens in the ramen timeline basically is is just a western from the opening where like he's riding the range in his truck right with the horns on top and it's got the kind of cowboy music like you know going going behind it he's got the hat he's like kind of dressed up that way he's got a sidekick right uh and you know literally everything that he has a when he rides into town he walks into the saloon, the saloon which is yeah. the ramen shop <laughs> and immediately has an altercation with the of uh, like the bad dude the drunk, in town the drunk local yeah right yep all of this stuff um it, it's it's just great it's like I don't know why you decide to do that. Like you, you know, because yeah, you love Western. Sure. But lots of people love Westerns. They don't decide to make a story about a ramen shop. Yeah, right? They, yeah. It was this creative way of like merging those together. Uh, and like you said, like the woman is in trouble because she doesn't know enough about how to run a ramen shop. She wasn't a ramen chef. Her husband left it to her. And so they're going to like try and come together and, you know, this scrappy band of of people who each know a little <laughs> bit about cooking, but none of them is exactly... Uh, a star necessarily, and they're they're going to like make this ramen shop work, and it it is really char- a charming storyline um, to to watch. I would also say that I I really liked the weird like opening intercut, like they're riding the range, but also his sidekick is reading this book about yes. food. <laughs> 
And well, the, the whole reason that they stop is because he, they get hungry. Yes. Reading this book. Is they're yeah. reading a book of food that makes them hungry. And it's about this guy who's like teaching a ramen lesson to his like, you know, his, his subordinate or his, you know, young, I don't know who it is. It could be a, like his son, young, grandson yeah. or something, right? I don't know. But the way he talks about the ramen is so great. Like, mm-hmm. it just, it cracked me up. He's talking about, like, you never, like, take, you have to, like, keep looking at it yeah, or whatever. Like, look at the pork while you, like, eat the noodles. <laughs> it's this whole philosophical yeah. thing, and he's, like, going on and on. And then at the end, they're like, oh, what's the meaning of tapping it on the side like that? He's like, that's no meaning to it. I'm just getting the moisture off of it or whatever. <laughs> it's great, right? It's so good. Um, So, yeah, I mean, really, there's just so much to like in this movie. I know. Um, I don't know what to say. I, and I should mention the opening with the gangster is fantastic as well. Yeah. Uh, they they managed to have this movie include its own like please turn off your cell phones thing basically. Of course, it was just watches and and candy bags back then, but uh, just brilliant, just yeah. brilliant. I mean, I feel like this movie just speaks for itself in so many ways. It like all we can do is summarize it, right? It's like <laughs> it's like what can you say? It's so good. Like I I can't. I have nothing negative to say about this movie. I do. I mean, of course I do. You know, uh, so number one is I think, you know, it's kind of low budget. So I think like, you know, if you're coming to this movie, I mean, we we saw the, uh, just a a couple back, we saw the Wong Kar Wai film In the Mood for Love. Mm -hmm. You could imagine if you had somehow smushed them together this film would be, you know, even more amazing because this film doesn't look that great. It looks fine. It looks okay, yeah. It has some it it's has not, some nice shots in it. It um, doesn't bother me, but there are many times when it's pretty obvious this is a fairly low-rent shot. There's shot, shots of, like, the truck driving away that look super low-rent, just like some guy with, like, playing with the zoom lens yeah, of the camera. Yeah, I mean, the mo- one of the most noticeable ones is the very last shot, or one of, not the last shot, one of the last shots of them driving away and the, the truck, it's a long shot and the truck kind of like drives right under where the camera is and it's like super shaky trying There's to all like kinds track of the pro- truck. And a lot of the shots like could, you know, some could some could have been lit better. Some are like not framed that well or maybe were shot on like kind of not that great of, of uh, equipment. I don't know. There's yeah, a lot of stuff like yeah. that in the film that's like, it's not a problem for this film. Because, you know, it's like it's a fun, enjoyable film and you don't need to have great cinematography for a film like this. But it's worth noting, it's not a great looking film. I think it's, to be honest, I think I think it's actually decently good looking. Like, I think there's a lot more going on. Like, I do think it's it's probably fairly low budget. Yeah. But, um, but I think there's a lot of uh, intentionality and creativity in a lot of the the cinematography. There's some I mean, interesting stuff. The shot, the shot under the bridge where they're fighting, they do a nice yep. like sort of silhouette. I also love like there's there's the 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 way they shoot characters is really great. Uh, there's like one shot they go into this one ramen shop. I guess is this in, I can't remember was this scene in her dream? Well, describe the scene. And well, okay, so there's there's she goes they go to the ramen shop and basically like criticize the guys. Yeah, that's in her dream. That's a dream. And uh, and he gets really angry and like yells yeah. and there's like. The, sh- the camera keeps getting, like, closer and closer, and it kind of has this shot of, like, really close in. He's smack in the middle of the frame, like, Ugh! and it's just, it's so good. Like, it's so good at framing. Uh, or in comedic stuff, like the the scene where the woman's, like, pressing on the pl- the peach and the cheese and stuff. Like, um, the choreography of, like, 
that where that like how the shots laid out and like when they're peeking back and forth and all that like the the comedic sort of timing of that is great i think that just to be clear i think the direction of this movie is fantastic I just don't think the shot quality is that high. Those are different things. Yeah, no, totally. And That's I mean, all I'm saying. That scene with the with the old lady, I don't think the shot quality is that great in it, but the direction is fantastic. The pacing, fantastic. Like, Itami Juzo clearly knows how to make a film. Full stop. Yeah. I'm just saying that I don't think this movie had the budget to look great. Yeah. It looks fine. It's not a problem. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, you're not going to be sitting around going like, wow, this is really ugly and I don't want to watch this. Right? Yeah. It's not like something like Clerks or something where I have to tell you like, look, just watch it. The screenplay is really good. It looks like brown butt the entire time, but, you know, whatever, right? Yeah. It was made for 5,000 yeah, like, bucks. What would, do you want? I would not so, say that right? this movie looks bad. It doesn't look bad. Yeah. It just doesn't look great. That's what I'm saying. So, like, a nitpick there when you're talking about a film that, like, I would call it a great film is that it's a great film for other reasons. But I think at the same time, there's something charming about that to me. Like, the movie is charming in, in so many ways. Okay. And even having that roughness is, like, charming. To me, it it makes the film feel a little older, but like in a in a nice way, where it's like, yeah, like the you know, it's not as far as I could tell, it hasn't been like restored to the level that some films are, and it has this grainy kind of feel, this rougher feel, and uh, but I I I find that charming in this in this context. Well, either way, I would like point it that is out. the way. I think it's partly because it's just like, look, that's the way the film is, and. It's all a part of what you're experiencing. And so I'm like, well, I love this film. I love the experience of watching it. That's a part of it. Like, yeah, maybe it would be better if it was like slicker, you know, higher production value. No, I'm not saying slicker. I'm just saying like shot quality could have been improved. Yeah. It's not slickness. It has nothing to do with slick. It's just shot quality. Yeah. There's right? also, there's like, there's some interesting lighting stuff too. Like there's one scene, I, I'm assuming it was intentional. Like it wasn't just outdoor natural light changing. Like it seemed very intentional. When they're in the I ramen know the shop, yeah, yeah. they're that when they at the end when they come in and she's like, "This is the moment." Like, are they going to drink all? Are they going to drink the broth? Are they going to finish their bowl? And she's waiting as they eat, like the five. I think it's five of them, six of them. I don't know. In a line there, yeah. And the and the light, the ambient light is going like dark, dim yeah. to bright, to dim to bright. It's such an interesting choice. I felt like that was just a sort of a didn't quite work as well as it needed to attempt to have the lighting convey her mood. That's what I thought it was. Because when they, finally at the end, when they actually do drink the broth, it's pure bright it's and like stays very bright, on. It's like very bright, right, yes. So my assumption was that that was trying to coincide with her, like, are they going to drink it? Are they not? Oh, it's going well. It's not going well, right? And it didn't, it doesn't quite work. To, to me, it was like, it didn't quite work. But that's what I thought was happening. I could be and, wrong. Well, and it, I think it's just cool because it's like, it's just an another idea stacked on top of all this yeah. where you're like, you know, it doesn't really need to be there in that you you get the feeling of the scene without it. But I just liked it as like uh, we're trying something like we're going to try to communicate maybe the, that feeling of like waiting and not being sure with the lighting like that. Um, It was an it was an interesting, bold kind of choice that like that the movie is just filled with. Right. It's filled with these these really bold choices that basically always work or almost always work um which is so unusual like and so many there's so many movies i feel like we've watched where there's sort of like the this core idea that's maybe more experimental and mm. 
you kind of like you're like, yeah, I see what they were going for, but it just like doesn't quite work, you know. And yeah, in this in yeah. this movie, it's just like there's so many creative, unique ideas, and they almost always work. And uh, it's just really impressive. I would agree that one of the great things about this film is that it doesn't really ask you to do the work for it. Like a lot of experimental art films are kind of like asking you to meet them more than halfway. It's like, I did this thing, but I didn't quite pull it off. So it's up to you to carry the ball, you know, mm-hmm. across the uh, well, you know, even across the goal line or whatever. Even but, a movie like Mulholland Drive that we love and we've talked, we've praised a ton is like, does ask the viewer to do a lot more work, right? Um, I don't know. I would put Mulholland Drive in the same category as this film, really. I, um, I wouldn't because this one is a like, I feel like a lot more accessible. I mean, in terms of what it's asking me to do. Like, I would say that this and Mulholland Drive both did all the work they were supposed to do. For a film like Mulholland Drive, it would be very bad if it did all of the work because then the movie's not very interesting, right? Yeah, no, I mean, they, um, Mulholland Drive's not a good example because... But they did all the work they were supposed to do, yeah. meaning Mulholland Drive, I felt, got me all the way to the finish line of the movie has everything in it that it should and nothing in it that it shouldn't kind of a thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like this movie is similar. They they are ending at different points in terms of how much stuff they want to leave ambiguous, but that's not the same thing. Other movies are like, they stop short of where they should be. No matter how ambiguous they were supposed to be, they're like, they only got you 25% of the way there. Mm-hmm. And so they're asking me to do this other 75% of the work that they should have been doing, right? Um, and this movie is like, yeah, it's it's definitely, it's doing everything it should do to leave you with what it should leave you with, even though some of the things, like, if you didn't quite catch it the first time you saw this film, you might be really confused as to why, like, the final shot is someone breastfeeding, right? But it makes perfect sense when you start to think about, like, oh, wait, all the vignettes are showing me, like, relationships of people with food. And, like, this film is sort of talking about how food works in our lives and what it does and all these other sorts of things, right? And then you're like, okay, yeah. I get it. Well, and as I said, the first time I saw this, I did. I think I found it a bit more, um, like, overwhelming or, or like, you know, like with a lot of a lot of movies, right? I think on yeah. a second viewing, it's just easy to, easier to absorb it for Absolutely. what it is. Like on the, I know I I remember liking it the first time, but this time I felt like yeah, oh my gosh, this is like a great film, like a truly yeah. great film. Other things I thought needed some work. Yeah, I pretty much think almost all of the vignettes are good. I uh, so I felt like that part of the movie was the strongest. My complaints with this film actually lie mostly in the mainline story. I thought that there were some stuff. I thought it wasn't written as well as it should be. I guess is what I'd say. There are parts in the mainline story that I just don't think are that good. Um, I didn't love the, the, the making the broth thing. Just that whole subplot. It just doesn't work for me. And I'll try to explain why. So I, I didn't, I find it hard to kind of follow or get with the storyline where it's like, Effectively, what happens is she bribes the guy so she can watch how someone else makes the broth. She tries to make the broth that way, but doesn't like it because I guess I guess maybe she didn't copy the recipe right. I'm not sure. So then they go to see Sensei, who's the the hobo like vaudevillian troop guy, right? 
I guess not a hobo. He doesn't ride the rail, but he's like that old school vaudevillian homeless person. I don't know what you want to call it. The the performing troupe of homeless people yeah, that's yeah. like not a real thing in reality, but it exists in movies, right? Yeah. Uh, it's that thing. They go to see him and he's supposed to like help her do the bra thing. So he teaches her a bunch of stuff. For some reason, the bra still isn't very good or something, which I don't quite understand. Uh, they also end up enlisting the help of like a chef who's supposed to help with the noodles. This is from well, he's, he's not he's not a chef. He's a chauffeur, isn't he? Who who just does some cooking? I guess, but he does a lot of cooking. Like he knows how to professionally prepare a snapping turtle. That doesn't sound like something a chauffeur would know how to do. It sounds like something only a chef would know how to do. But you know, I don't know. Um. And then finally, like, the carpenter guy is the guy who comes up with, like, the recipe to make the ramen work, which is, like, some, you know, putting some chili oil or was it sesame oil? I don't remember. Sesame oil. Might have been and sesame oil. Like, green onions. Yeah, on top. And pork or something. And I'm just yeah. like, that whole thing felt more like you just kind of wrote it. Like, like it felt forced it felt like something where it's like we want each of these characters to be contributing something and sometimes we were able to make that work like the fact that the chauffeur helped with the noodles felt clearer to me and it like was more understandable and and I see how you were trying to do the seven samurai analogy where each person's going to play a role that's important here and that works the thing with the broth just did like so what did the old guy do like nothing really i guess or why did she bribe that other guy? Like, for no real reason, I guess? I don't know. And it just kind of, like, it just didn't feel quite right. Mm. And it's not like it was bad because all those things could happen. They're not, like, implausible or weird or anything. But I just felt like I was watching make work a lot of that time. Hmm. It didn't feel, I wasn't, like, I wanted to feel more invested in that story of, like, how are they going to get the good broth or whatever. And it never, it just kind of felt like stuff was just happening, right? And so my main complaint with this movie is that there's stuff like that in the main timeline that I felt could have been better done. So another one that's like that is at the end, there's a shot where the truck drives away and Piskin. Yeah. I don't know why that's the person's name. (laughs) So I don't know what it was actually in Japanese because I didn't, listen closely enough i probably should have but anyway that guy is saying goodbye to the to the trucker and he just kind of like runs on the side of the truck like which is clearly like an homage kind of shot but doesn't make any sense like it's just weird that it's happening well so it's like there's stuff like that where it's like I, i i know i even kind of know why this shot is in the film but doesn't feel right because it doesn't actually go with the analogy version of the thing. And I wanted them to work harder on those aspects of it. I feel like, I don't know, because for me that works because as an audience, like we feel that way, right? You get, you're like, oh, this guy's going away. Like you kind, you know, he kind of loves her, the trucker and he's leaving. He's, he's driving off into the sunset or whatever. And I think as an audience, we're kind of feeling like, Wait, no, don't go. But, I mean, it doesn't make sense in context is my point. I agree. Like I said, I know why the shot's in the film. I just don't think it feels natural for the shot to be in the film. It, it's failing in exactly the same way that I think the vignettes succeed, which is that somehow the vignettes feel 
like they're actually happening for real. Like it doesn't feel odd. It's it's smoothed over so well that it's just like, wow, this thing that shouldn't really connect connects perfectly. I feel the exact opposite about mm. some of those. It's like there's jarring discontinuities in how those things feel to me, even though I know why they're there. I'm like, I get what you wanted here, but I don't think it fits it, it with with the rest of what's happening here, right? Hmm. It's like a puzzle piece that you wanted to put somewhere, but it doesn't have those shapes to it. So you, you just jammed it in, right? And I feel that like hmm. that sort of extra tension, and it, I don't like that. So to me, that's mo- most of the things that I said I don't really like about the movie are those. They're almost exclusively in the mainline plot. They might, I, I think, they just are exclusively in the mainline plot, and there are parts where it's like felt too forced. Yeah, I don't. I definitely didn't feel that way. Hmm. Uh, I think partly because there is this heightened element to the movie where it doesn't feel quite real. It, it's we're not in reality. We're in this like slightly exaggerated or or sillier version of reality, right? But no, I and it, it's interesting because the broth part I didn't have any issues with. Like I didn't find it confusing or it's not confusing. Okay, it's just not engaging. I didn't. I definitely didn't feel that way. There was no point in the movie where I didn't feel engaged with it. It just felt to me like aimless. I guess is how I would say hmm. it. it. So you wanted to be more. At least I wanted to be more invested in the triumph of the ramen shop, and I felt like too much of the writing for the ramen shop was about analogizing these shots, basically making it be like a blank. And not enough about this is just the story working really well for the ramen shop so that it's exciting in its own right. That's what I'm trying to say. And I felt like the movie falls down for me in that. Like, when I watch this movie, I watch it really for the vignettes. If it was just the ramen shop story, I don't think it would be that great. I'd be like, it's all right. It does some things good. It does some things bad. I'm half and half on it. That's interesting. The vignettes are the part that really make this movie special for me, not the ramen shop part. Because I love the cowboy analogy. I do. But I feel like it needed better writing to really, like, make it be... To to feel those moments more of to feel the moment of despair more to feel the like triumph more it it doesn't get there it's a little too superficial for me and I want more I wanted more punch with that mm. it's not far from it yeah it's not because like I would say when but it's when off. when she succeeds it's I, I I found it to be like really awesome you know like I I felt I felt that and I feel it when like. You know, that feeling of like when they all kind of go off their separate ways and he drives off like I, I, I felt that like I felt the emotional impact of that. Not like I'm sitting here sobbing or something, but it's not that it's not asking you to be that emotional. Right. Yeah. But you also thought it was cool that he threw away the teeth. So like, you know, <laughs> I, I'm 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 you're, we're not you're, rehashing. We're not rehashing. This. You're, you, you take it. You you uh, Look, you man, basically the way, like the take you, it at its word. And way, I don't. The way you feel when you watch a movie is the way you feel. And, you know, it's going to be different for every person. There's no right or wrong in that way. Right. It's like if it works for you, then it worked. If I'm just saying there's a ter- the thin red line runs right through Terrence Malick's bag of teeth. And some people are on one side of the Terrence Malick bag of teeth. 
And some people are on the Look, other side. That's I all I'm telling even, you. That's I all I'm saying. I, that was just a tiny moment. I wouldn't have even brought it up, but you had to make a whole thing about it. I'm just saying there's a thing on the Molly Movie Club, and I'll call it tooth bag moment. And a tooth bag moment is where, like, you know, some people are like, yeah, all right, I'll buy into that, even though I don't think there was enough there to buy into. And then other people are like, no, I demand more. Yeah. I, this podcast should be called Terrence Malick's Bag of Teeth. <laughs> We're renaming it from Molly Movie Club to Terrence Malick's Bag of Teeth. Can we not? How about Ter- okay. Terrence Malick's Big Bag of Teeth. <laughs> Any better? Why are we talking about that movie? I don't know. This is the Tampopo podcast. Um, anyway, those are my complaints with the movie. Okay. That's it. Basically, like, I thought, like, shot quality could be better if they had a better budget. You know, I'm sure they didn't. Um, although that said, you know, we've seen some movies like the John Carpenter Halloween where you're like, the movie cost basically nothing in American movie dollars and the world looks absolutely outstanding. So, you know, who knows? But either way, I, I don't know that they had the money to make this movie look any better. Well, than and I also don't think this movie looked bad. I think there's a couple no, of moments. It doesn't. It doesn't look bad. There's a couple moments where... I think the, the the most noticeable one being that shot of the truck driving off where the yeah. camera just is having – it's really struggling to track it. That's really the only one I can think of that actually feels like a little bit cheap. The rest feels to me totally fine. Yeah. Um, I don't have any c- real complaints about it. Uh, and then for me, but not for you, I felt like the mainline storyline needed better writing. Um, yeah, I, I really like – I really like the mainline storyline. I I think it's so creative and clever. I think the characters, all of those individual people are so fun and interesting visually, which I think is so important. I love when when in sto- in stories like that where they cast actors who all look like kind of yes. weird distinct. and distinct. It or it makes me think of animation, it makes me think of character design. Um where you're you know, you're choosing people of all different shapes and sizes and trying to make like like pushing people as far to the extreme, almost cartoony. Yeah, you dress them up in intentionally yeah. like distinctive outfits. Like the chauffeur guy is always wearing his chauffeur outfit. Yeah. yeah. And like the contractor guy is wearing his like vest thing. And, well, the, and the cowboy, cowboy is wearing his hat. hat and a scarf and, and like... the kid is wearing his t shirt thing. And mm-hmm. so they like they did the thing, it's like it's a comic, like it's a manga or whatever, right? It's like yeah. these are what the characters I, I love that. I love when that happens in film. I love when reality is pushed yeah. to this kind of exaggerated extreme. I love that. And it works well for this movie because it is sort of doing, you know, surrealist things in, mm-hmm. right in front of your face. And so, like, doing that kind of stuff makes perfect sense. Like, you sense. could imagine this as an anime. Absolutely. Like, easily. Absolutely. Um, and I, I love that. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I really... I just love this movie. I love the. It also uses Mahler, which you love. Oh, I didn't. didn't I didn't that. mention that. I almost find it distracting. Okay. Because I know that Mahler's the anytime it's like really the theme, the main theme they give to um, Tampopo mm-hmm. is uh, a section of Mahler one. I know that symphony so well that it's almost distracting to hear. Okay. There, there's a lot of classical in it, more than yes. just Mahler. Uh, and I, I love that. It's we've seen a, bun, a, a number of movies uh, in the movie club. I feel like now where the the soundtrack is entirely classical. Um, I feel like for a low budget film too, because again, I'm I'm pretty sure this movie did not have a, a large budget to it. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I don't I don't think it was like made on pennies or anything, but I do feel like it was a smart way 
to get that sort of more like sweeping feel Mm -hmm. without having to pay the exorbitant cost of having a like full orchestral score composed for the movie because that probably wasn't going to happen right Uh, and so finding some some existing orchestral pieces that will fit Stanley Kubrick Yep. Did, does this and he had the money. Yeah, they did it in uh, in Birdman. Um, you know, yes. we've I, we, that's why I say we think in, in Movie Club already we've seen a bunch of movies yeah. that that So it's a smart idea if you happen to know classical music well enough and you can find pieces that will fit. That seems like a yeah. good no, relatively that, low cost you, way to get If you're like that. looking for in that late romantic period of like, you know, 1900 to yeah. like 1930 kind of range it's there's so like a modern film score draws a lot from like that period of classical music. So yeah. if you just go search around in that era, yeah, uh, you will find you can easily find stuff that will just sound like a film score. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously that, you know, I didn't think about that. I, or I, you know, that probably does contribute a bit to my my feelings of affection for this film. Is yeah. I have such a love of Mahler and. To have that be, like, throughout the whole movie, it's just, like, this one more, like, Anna, like, this movie is for you kind of thing, right? I uh, would also point out that I really, probably one of my favorite parts of this film is the gangster. Yeah. Um, I feel like his, the gangster and his lover are, like, such a great and weird subplot to this film. <laughs> yeah. They get a complete story of their own. Which I think is so interesting because the vignettes are more about like a snapshot. Yeah, they're right? the only they're the only vignette that actually we return we we actually see multiple times. You get their whole story. You find out like how they met and like how they sort of like you know became a couple in the first place mm-hmm. with this like flashback to like a, oyster. oyster yeah. I don't know if you call it farming oyster picking. And mm-hmm. what, what do you call what harvesting? Do you call it? Harvesting. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but you get to see that whole thing. You get to see like them having a tryst. You get to see them uh, him when he gets shot at the end, uh, and you also get them in the opening. Yeah, They're, they are nominally with you in the theater watching this movie. Yeah, which is also great. Doesn't make any sense, but it works perfectly. Uh, and so I thought they were a great addition to this movie. They didn't have to do that. It could have been just vignettes, but they decided to, or I guess he decided to, make a through line in one of the vignettes that's like goes on for multiple scenes. And I thought that was fantastic, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. No, it's it's just such a c- clever, creative movie. It's a joy to watch. The real crime is I've never seen anything else by Tommy Juzo. I don't know if... This is like his one movie that's great and all the rest are just fine. Yeah, but know. he's very well respected. So I've always kind of in the back of my head been like, I should watch another one of his films. Like Probably should. It seems unlikely that he'll never have done anything else interesting. I mean, this is so interesting that you think even like... Well, interesting and well executed, too. Yes. So it's like, it does seem like... Uh, it would be worthwhile to to watch some of his other movies. I'd like to see, and I've seen films by other Japanese filmmakers. I've never been particularly enamored with any, except this one. Hmm. Um, and so you know, he is my favorite Japanese filmmaker. Tampopo is one of those movies I could watch and have watched dozens of times. I mean, dozens might be my. I think I've seen it like six times, maybe. Mm-hmm. Love it every time, and. Just gave me a lot to think about, uh, both in terms of creative things the movie did and also just like 
As a treatise on food, it's really interesting. For me, my favorite thing about Tampopo is the sort of like creativity, the creative energy yeah. that you get from it. Like after watching it, you just feel like you want to go make something. And, and you like, feel like anything is possible. Like yeah. it's it's one of those movies where you're just like, oh crap, like here's this guy who just like comes out of nowhere doing all this crazy stuff and it all works. And you're just like, that's so freeing. To yeah. see someone succeed that way. Yeah, absolutely. It's an inspirational film in it that way. It really is. For and creativity. For, cre- for people yeah, who are creative. For creative people, I feel like this movie is definitely sort of like invigorating. It's it's exciting. I think it's also like relatably like it's the things it's doing uh, are are easy enough to understand that you can get behind them too and be like, okay, I see how I might be able to do something. Yeah, it's not it's, – it's completely unpretentious. Like, I think sometimes art film can feel a bit, like, snobbish or something. Well, because something. we only call things art films when they don't work. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the way – like, yeah. like a lot of times we don't call Mulholland Drive an art film because it works when you watch it. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, right? this, there's this, like, faux intellectual thing that can go with some some art film where it's, like, we have to come up with all these reasons why it's artistic and, what you know, this one is just effortlessly – artistic and creative and original it's the same as jazz to me it's basically like no one has to like remind you that something is jazz if the song is good because you just listen to it like that was a good song you have to tell somebody it's jazz to to convince them that something that they're hearing that sucks is actually it's their fault for not like appreciating it or something i see art film as kind of that way it's like we don't bother having to tell you something is an art film or call it an art film if it's just good because you go to watch and you're like that was really good. Yeah, it's like art that film was... is usually a thing we use to convince you to watch something that's not good, yeah. so that you feel like it's your fault. Because it's like it, it's that. like experimental film doesn't have to be inaccessible or difficult or lousy or lousy. Yeah, you can enjoy like... it. Like like if you enjoy, a lot of times if someone's actually doing it right, you'll just like it. Yeah, I love Tampopo. Tampopo. Ladies and gentlemen, earning its place in the Criterion Collection, yeah, a lot more than Vertigo. <laughs> I would I would say this is definitely in my favorite films. I mean, that's a large category with lots of movies in it, but <laughs> but like it's I love it. I really love this movie. I think it's a great film. I would say I don't know that it cracks my top ten, but it's definitely in my like films everyone should watch. Because it is so unique in some of the things it does. And I think also, like I said, I don't know if there is some experimental film stuff somewhere you can find that this was drawing on to do to do that vignette work or whatever. Because I haven't seen it, but maybe it's out there. Yeah, I mean, I have a hard but, time believing this is the only movie to have attempted that. It seems unlikely. Yeah. But my point more with this is just that what's so striking to me in this movie is it works so well. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked nobody else does it. After seeing this, I'm like, if I was a filmmaker, I would totally use this trick now. Not all the time, but I would totally use it. And nobody seems to have done it since then, which is weird to me. Yeah. No, it's interesting. It's not more common. Like, yeah. I- I'm not going to say no one's done it because I haven't seen all the movies. Right. But, but, but in any, like, I've seen most mainstream movies and I've seen a lot of off mainstream movies and you just doesn't show yeah. up. No, it's interesting. It's I, weird. Because it does it's so it seems like such a good idea. It's such a neat technique. Just <laughs> yeah. put it in your back pocket. I mean, films are made up of techniques that you apply to get certain results. And a lot of the things that we take for granted in films today, like cuts of certain kinds or filming people walking towards the camera or things like this, someone had to do that There's at some point. Yeah. 
And then we go, oh, that works. That's good for this kind of thing. And then we do it. And to me, this film had like, I'm like, this showed a new technique working. Like, it's like, you can do this and it just works if you plan it out right. But it doesn't seem like anyone really does it, which is weird. I don't know. I thought it would have become a staple, but it didn't. It didn't. Well, I think that's that's probably all there is to say on Tampopo. I don't have anything else. Well, we hope you enjoyed watching it. Oh, Um, one thing you should say is what's your favorite type of ramen? My favorite type of ramen? Yeah. I like tsukemen. Okay. Dipping ramen. Okay. Uh, But I, I also haven't had like a huge variety of different ramen. So like... I'm not going to commit to saying I have a favorite yet. I think I need okay. to try more ramen. Okay. What about you? Um, I was talking more about, like, what's your favorite kind of ramen bowl, but you went with ramen style, which I totally respect. Oh, you meant, like, broth or... Yeah, but I totally respect that. Suke men is your favorite. That's a totally, totally good answer. I just don't think I've had it. Honestly, I need to have more. But I do know I really like the... You like a, di- you like a dipping. I like Strong a di- broth. I like a dipper. Dipping. Concentrated dipping. Okay. I enjoy that. I prefer a, a, a spicy miso or a tauntaun men, mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I like a good spice in my ramen. I like a pork broth as well. I should mention. A yeah, you, you're broth. a very a pork broth guy. You don't. You're not interested in any like chicken or fish or a any. spicy miso tonkotsu broth ramen. Yeah. is miso. hard to argue with. I I pretty much am, am. I will show up for that bowl. I think I I would you know show you or miso. I'm I'm happy with my spice tolerance has gone up a lot in the in the last like year or so. So I have I should experiment some more with um some spicy broths because I can handle it better now. Anyway, this is getting off the rails. No, here. it's not. It's important information. This is a film about food and about ramen. Well, and I about feel how like... important ramen is and how important all the details are. So I feel like maybe we got to go to Santoka later today. <laughs> yep. Today we'll have to go get some ramen. There's not a lot of great ramen in in the greater Seattle area, but if Santoka. you look, Santoka's if you look, good. you can find some. All right, folks. Well, thanks for joining us. This is the last episode in our uh, January art film month. And a rep board of what is coming up in February. Well, um, actually, as this goes up, there should be a poll okay. for February's theme. I think it should still be ongoing uh, if this goes up Friday. That I think it's going to be a seven-day-long poll, so it, you can probably vote for a couple more days. On what you want February to be, They're gonna the, the choices are sort of in the, like, romance kind of oh, area. I think because some, of Valentine's yeah, Day. Yeah, someone had mentioned Clever. that a while ago. They were like... Clever. They, yeah, someone had mentioned that in the... the, the Mega thread. They'd like they listed a, you know, some romantic movies or whatever, and said maybe for February. And I thought that was a good idea. So I picked four categories that are vaguely, you know, romance or interpersonal sort of relationship okay. stuff. Okay. So go go vote on that, and uh, we'll let you know soon what the February movies are. Well, all right. I guess I don't know what I'll be watching next week, but you'll tell me. Well, we'll know very 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 soon. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Bye.